0: You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. But we digress. Hi, Will. Hi, David. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another digression of the Common Descent Podcast. Been a while since we've done one of these. Yeah, a little bit. We are coming back to it with a special digression series for the month of June. As we mentioned in the main podcast, we realize that there are five Saturdays in June, and there are, as of the end of June, five Jurassic Park movies. How convenient! So. <laughs> How convenient! Every weekend in this month, leading up to the release of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, we're going to do a little but we digress episode about each of the films in the franchise, and then we're going to go see the new one, and then we're going to we'll talk about that. Yeah. We're going to work our way through each of the films. Now, we're going to sort of be reviewing them, but we're not film experts. We're not film studies people. So we're not going to discuss directing or acting or, or cinematography, but we are scientists. So we will be reviewing the science of each of these films individually. We're not going to be nitpicking, like, they did this wrong, they did this wrong, they did this wrong. That's fun, but more fun to us is that the, the, the context of that broad intersection between science and pop culture. Yes. So we're going to talk about the science of the films, the creatures of the films, the scientists of the films, and sort of give the scientist perspective on, on each movie in the Jurassic Park franchise. This first episode, we're talking about the first movie. And if you're a longtime listener, you'll know that we did this in episode 23. We talked about Jurassic Park. So there'll be a little bit of overlap, but for the most part, we'll be talking about different angles in this series, so don't worry too much about repetition. Mm -hmm. Quick thanks to the patrons who have encouraged us to talk about movies on the podcast. We love to do it. You don't have to tell us twice.
1: It was very exciting to get that request.
0: Yes, so this is, this is, you asked for this.
1: Yep, this this is
0: (laughs) all on you. Real quick, last thing before we get started. We are going to be discussing these movies, so the obligatory spoiler warning goes up here. If you haven't seen these films and you don't want to be spoiled, stop now. We're not going to go out of our way to spoil them, but we're not going to go out of our way to not spoil them. Yeah, we're going to freely discuss it. Yes. so turn back now. (laughs) If ye ye fear spoilers, (laughs) here there be
1: spoilers. (laughs) That's... That's the map we need on parts of the internet. (laughs)
0: Yes! (laughs) Here there be spoilers. Here there be spoilers. Let us begin our June Jurassic Park series, episode one, discussing Jurassic Park, the movie released in 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg, put out by Universal Studios, based on the 1990 book, written by Michael Crichton. Will, let's begin by talking, the obvious place to begin... Let's talk about the critters the of dinos. Jurassic Park. The dinos.
1: So, yeah, probably the, the most standout thing about Jurassic Park as a film is the way it portrayed its dinosaurs. That's really kind of, for scientists in the scientific community, the big thing it did that hadn't really been done in film before it, at least not to the degree that it did it. Yes,
0: it was very different.
1: Yeah. It, it really portrayed an updated view of these animals for the public you know a lot of the things that they showed had already been known in science for a while but the movie finally showed a for that time modern vision of these dinosaurs these creatures yes it's not perfect Jurassic Park did a lot wrong with its
0: dinosaurs yeah
1: and so a lot a bunch of our discussions are going to kind of be within the context of the time when this movie came out a lot of things it did were very refreshing updates there are a lot of things that they got wrong, but all movies that deal with any aspect of science is only going to get so much right. I've, I've yet to see
0: the, the <laughs> made-for-the-theaters movie that was just like, wow, I don't even need to go to a class about this subject. What was really great about Jurassic Park and what really made it stand out is that it embraced a period of discovery yes. that had been happening for a couple of decades leading up to this time, which are, are commonly now known, known as the Dinosaur Renaissance. hmm which was through the 70s and 80s, we were revamping our understanding of yeah. dinosaurs, picking their tails up off the ground, envisioning them as active instead of plotting and, and monstery, envisioning them as social instead of necessarily big, you know, the, the classic cold reptilian. Yes, that's what I was going to say. We were shifting away from those
1: old ideas of the the cold-blooded monsters yeah, b- yes basically shifting away from their the namesake that they were given terrible lizards
0: yes yes absolutely
1: yeah you know, we were finally turning away and realizing that's that's technically a misnomer it's not really accurate for what we now think these were big active potentially intelligent from some of them mobile animals that were just animals and that's really you'll you'll hear us probably harp on that. A Good bit this episode because that's really what Jurassic Park did is it portrayed them as animals not monsters not movie creatures not you know not not kaiju you know Godzilla style smashing through the underbrush and just destroying everything in their path they were just animals and a lot of what they showed that or how a lot of the ways they showed that in the movie was based off of at that time modern science.
0: Dr. Grant actually says it. He says yes. they're not monsters, Lex. They're animals.
1: Yes. They emphasize it in movie, not only in the way they show them, but verbally. And it's for that time, this was unheard of for many people. Like the perception of dinosaurs was very much that plotting, you know, <laughs> uh, it makes me think of when they were in the, the movie theater scene or the the, the intro oh, scene. Oh, the, the, boom, the, the boom, 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 boom. Yep, yep, That's That was very much how they were portrayed in movies before that it was just these Big, huge, lumbering things that just came into the scene, and then it, now it was an action moment of, oh, it's knocking over everything, and you know, yeah, that yeah. was the perception in
0: movies, and this really turned it around. Some of the ways Jurassic Park shifts that. Some of the newish things that they that they introduce, obviously, the dinosaurs are shown as being active. Yes, they're shown as being uh, warm-blooded. Is actually mentioned yeah. a couple times in the in the film. They go out of their way to dismiss some old ideas. Mm-hmm. When, they, when they see the big brachiosaur, Dr. Sattler says, this thing doesn't live in a swamp. Yeah, which is very nice. The whole connection between birds and dinosaurs is... Dr. Grant can't shut up about oh, that. Oh, yeah, he movie. emphasizes keeps it at least four or five times. Keeps going on about it. But it, this was the first movie to really deliver that. This is something that that paleontologists had been very seriously discussing for at least a couple decades at this point and it had be becoming mainstream in in real life paleontology yeah and this is the first big movie to drive that into the public and and they
1: they def they treat it in the movie as scientific fact they don't treat it as like something that they're discovering as the movie goes on they're very much like no look here's all the things
0: it, this is what it is yes the dinosaurs are scary not because they're big and monstery. The T-Rex is scary because it's curious yes. and it's investigating and it's eye. When when Lex shines the light in its eye, the pupil contracts yeah. and, 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 and dilates. Uh, the raptors are scary because they're smart and they're cooperative. It's just as scary as any time you interact with an apex predator. Yeah, they're scary the same way a tiger is mm-hmm. scary. Like an animal is scary, it, it, which is really cool to see in a movie like this. And I like the that you brought up the T-Rex being curious. That's
1: one of the things I really liked in this is there are definitely times where the dinosaurs are antagonistic, where they are attacking the protagonists, the main characters. But most of the time, even with the big predators, when the T-Rex like first breaks out it's not attacking the Jeeps, it's investigating them. It's sniffing at them and it's bumping them. It only starts to get a little more pushy when it realizes there's something that might be had there. Like it only starts chasing people when they start running from it.
0: (laughs) Yes, or when they start antagonizing. (laughs)
1: Yes, exactly, when something actually, and I mean, and it's the the way it makes you think, which is an apt comparison because it's the sound effect they used for the T-Rex shaking stuff is a dog. Yes,
0: yes, I was about to say that.
1: It's very much, well, it's like, you know, if you show show a dog something, a lot of times they'll look at it, but then as soon as you, like, go, and, like, (laughs) move it back and forth, now they're amped. And so it's... Yes. The T-Rex very much had that feeling where most of the, while the T-Rex was out, it was just looking around, it was stretching, its, it was investigating these things, which predators do. Predators are, a lot of times, very curious things, even sharks, you know. Oh, yeah. Animals that we don't consider very intelligent animals. Sharks are very curious. They come up and investigate stuff a lot of the time. And uh, even alligators and crocodiles will do that. And so it's just looking at things. But when it nudges a Jeep, it
0: flips the Jeep. (laughs) Yes. Now, this isn't to say, of course, that Jurassic Park is totally innocent of what I like to call, uh, and we'll discuss this more as the series (laughs) progresses, (laughs) monsterification yeah that that taking an animal and turning it monstrous for the sake of a movie uh the raptors have a little bit of it you know that 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 sort of classic smashing glass and yes. and you know being a li- little bit superheroy. they they're treated as the villains you know yes they're treated yes,
1: they as are. the the um the title you know the named character you know how you know when you're fighting a minion versus a a a boss fight in a video game
0: is (laughs) yes the raptors show up in the health bar yep
1: exactly like they are very much treated in that way even when they're just talking about them that it's like you know when when grant first realizes that they have raptors he looks at the camera dramatic you bred raptors you bred raptors (laughs) what species is this (laughs) yeah it's very dramatic it's
0: very over the top my god man and one for you he takes his glasses yes What were you thinking? And so they I almost did it. I almost <laughs> took my glasses off and then realized we're on a podcast and it's no one's going to appreciate it. I saw you about to and I was also like,
1: oh that's going to like rip off his headphones. <laughs> it's going to bump
0: the mic. Yeah. But they have a little bit of that. But for the most part, I it, it's really it was really it's really refreshing to see a movie portraying dinosaurs in a much more up-to-date fashion. Mm-hmm. And that does that brings us uh, onto another subject to discuss with this movie and that is the movie's not just the movie's depiction of the dinosaurs but the movie's depiction of the science the movie's attitude towards the science of paleontology which is possibly my favorite thing about this movie yeah it's is very cool the way they do this it. movie loves paleontology for all the stuff it gets wrong and it it gets a lot wrong yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot th- scientifically wrong here. The, even in the, 1993 there was a
1: lot wrong there's the classic things that everyone always hears about that the velociraptors are the wrong size the lophosaurus has never been found to have a frill and all that sort of things but the way they talk about science and discuss science is still with great
0: great uh excitement yes I, I we so we we've been rewatching these films so that we could do these discussions also because they we wanted to rewatch them <laughs> well yeah especially this first one how, how do you i was super surprised at how much i enjoyed it again yeah yeah this movie is so good it holds up one of the things that i noticed this time even more than before is how much throughout the movie the main characters dr grant mm-hmm. and dr sattler the two paleontologists This movie has two paleontologists in it which is are more than just about every other movie ever <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> They are constantly remarking on scientific observations. Yes, right? comparing what they're seeing to what they learn from the fossils. Dr. Grant says they do move in herds, right? This is a warm-blooded animal. Uh, Dr. Sadler in the, in the, the, the incubation room, mm-hmm. when the yep, doctors yep. the scientists report the baby raptor's body temperature. Yeah, she gets super excited. She's like homeothermic. it maintains that temperature. They're cons. They're learning, and-, and the movie is saying, "Hey, we learned this cool thing. In real life, we learned or have evidence of this cool thing. Here it is in the movie, and here are some fictional scientists geeking out." Yes, we about seeing a real life thing confirmation, in, you know, up close and personal. Yeah, and they con. Doctor Grant's constantly talking about bird behavior, mm-hmm. and he takes a moment, even when he's being chased by a raptor, to. To be amazed that they're communicating with each yes, other. Yes, yes. Well, and that's...
1: I, it'd be so easy while watching this to picture Grant if he had a notebook taking notes throughout the yes. whole movie. You know, that if if he had a pencil and paper, he would have been going, oh, 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 I need to <laughs> write this down really quick. And that was the thing that was most refreshing to me is that they were, they were making observations. They weren't making comments like... In most movies and TV shows, when you have a scientist going to an alien planet or time traveling or encountering some weird monster, they just look at it and go, you know, oh, well, just like cockroaches, this creature shows this, which means, you know, they... Right, right. They're just... They have the encyclopedia that they're just spitting out. And they're just explaining it to the other characters. I like in this one, they were... Discussing things. They were taking what they already knew and seeing something and going, so that, so this, so it does work that way, you know? Or have you ever, yeah, the, uh, the, the line when they're at the Raptors, when he asks, uh, yes, when, when Grant talks to Muldoon, the, the big game hunter that they have at the park guy with the cool hat and shotgun, and you're there, there, yes. They're outside the raptors and Grant turns to him and goes, do they show intelligence because their brain cavity and is yes, referencing the fossils to ask about behavior. And it's the same thing they do when they're discussing old concepts and debunking them with what they're seeing or observing the fact that, you know, that he's now not only saw connections to birds in their anatomy, but he's noticing that they run together like a flock of birds and that they are moving like birds you know that it's confirming what they already were pretty sure from their evidence but had no way to visually confirm the behaviors that they were
0: they were they were inferring yes and and i really like that this movie is very very pro-science yes it is it's very much check out all this cool science stuff this is real paleontology information we've thrown. We've mixed in with our made up stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some really great appreciation for the science in there. Well it's and like you said, the 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 appreciation's very high.
1: The way it's discussed is in a very scientific manner. You know, it's very yes. rare that they just make these I mean, there definitely are in there, but there's a lot of times where they, they make statements that are very conservative, where they're like, Oh well, from what we've seen, this is the case, not Everybody knows that blank is true. And so they talk about it in a very scientific way. There's, of course, science that's just like everything when they're in the lab and discussing the genetics is just completely bonkers.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) the other side of the science in Jurassic Park is you've got the dino science and then you've got the genetics stuff. And I love, I love that this movie does its exposition through a tour yeah that we're
1: we're getting the exposition at the same time the characters are
0: yes i love that that's so cool what a clever way to do it mr dna is awesome yes but yeah the sign when they're like in the in the <laughs> in the lab thinking machine supercomputers <laughs> and virtual reality displays allow our scientists to find the gaps in the sequence. and i'm like man i am not a geneticist and i'm cringing yep now part of that is that it is now 25 years later uh, it wasn't... I, I don't think that it was great at the time. <laughs> yeah. Now, especially, that's not really how it works. Uh, but it the movie did bring a lot of attention to these questions in what at the time was still, and still is now, a very growing field of genetic technology. Yeah. I Well, then I
1: like it because even though a lot of what they say about genetics is completely off the mark, which... Is not surprising. It's not a documentary. It's a film, and anyone who's had a genetics course knows that this is not an easy subject to wrap your mind around. We still don't understand no. a lot about genetics, <laughs> so of course, a movie that spent five of its minutes discussing didn't <laughs> get the nail on the head. But there is neat the way they treat genetics as a concept. Um, uh, Malcolm, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character. Has a line when they're at dinner, where he says, uh, "What was it? Ge- genetic, genetic uh, uh, knowledge genetic
0: power is is the most awesome power in the history of the world." Yeah, something, 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 that. something
1: along that effect. And that line always struck me because it's it's a little over dramatic a line because it's for the film. You know, it's very cinematic line, but it is really cool that they're acknowledging that gene manipulation and therapy are golden grails of scientific like yeah these are a big deal but like, you know we still have not reached true you know like like 100 gene therapy but that's one of those things that medically speaking could completely rewrite you know stuff if we were able to go in and edit genetics in a living organism that's yeah that's huge and i like that the movie acknowledges that it's like no no this isn't just a neat gimmick this is groundbreaking
0: crazy technology that scene really stands out to me the scene where they're sitting around the lunch table having the ethical discussion yes especially because we we just we were preparing episode 35 yes. about de-extinction and before that ancient dna that scene is really cool on the one now on the one hand there's a little bit of melodrama yeah to it mostly coming from jeff goldblum where he he's taught you know uh, the playing god mm-hmm. and science being wielded, you know, irresponsibly. It's funny, because even though
1: his lines are the most quotable lines in the movie, a lot of his points in the movie are, he's conveniently correct because of the plot, but his <laughs> arguments are not actually based off of a scientific perspective of what's wrong with the situation.
0: Yeah, it's very pithy. Yes. And it's very... Not necessarily cliche, but some of it's cliche. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, they're having a very real-life converse the same kind of broad discussion topics that are coming up today in discussions about de-extinction. Absolutely. Dr. Sattler says, how can you possibly uh, expect to understand an extinct ecosystem? Mm -hmm. And John Hammond compares them to condors, and Jeff Goldblum says, no, no, condors... We did that. This is different. This is another. You know, these are organisms that that he says had their chance. Yes, yeah,
1: where the environment wiped them out. This was not due
0: to our, you know, human intervention, De- deforestation, or, or 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 the building of a dam. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Di- dinosaurs had their chance, and that's a really cool mirror of the of real world discussion. Yes. It's a very simplified mirror, but it's it's it, it was re- it's really neat to see that in there. Well, and it's it's
1: the same issue you get into when you start discussing, you know, uh, our friend Jeff. Part of his research was on the rewilding, the the repopulation of bison. But one of the questions was, where do you release them and stuff? You know, you can't just start releasing bison willy-nilly. You have to find out, you know, fossil record wise where they went. And those kind of questions in conservation are very common. Like, all right, we all want this animal back, but we want to do it the right way. And they're having that conversation here on. It's yes, we all like dinosaurs, but are they the are they the right animal that we should be bringing back, and all the complications in it? Yes,
0: very interesting, and 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 I like that they throw in that little bit of the one person who can't get enough of the idea is the greedy one. Yes, yes, (laughs) blood sucking -sucking lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a cool discussion. It's very real world.
1: Uh, there was there's one comment I wanted to make in that discussion uh, to Jeff Goldblum's comments that uh you and I had mentioned just between ourselves. But he makes the one line where he says you stood on the shoulders of giants. You didn't earn the knowledge you had, but you went ahead anyway. Right. And you don't take any responsibility for it. That line always has been weird to me since I've gotten older, because him criticizing them standing on the shoulders of giants within a scientific endeavor is what all science does so yeah (laughs) i don't know it's it's uh, once again yes he ends up being right that the park was a bad idea because it's the plot of the movie but his that argument against it that they didn't earn the knowledge they used is like well yes but i don't create algebra to pass my test you know, yeah, I I it's, learned a, it's it. a little
0: too it's a little too generalized. Well, and I like that Hammond says I simply don't understand this perspective, especially from a scientist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm a little bit with you on that one. It's one of those arguments, and this happens with subjects like this. So I
1: mean it's actually a good thing to have it in there, uh that sound that makes sense on the surface. That it's like, no, oh, you're right, they didn't earn that knowledge, until you think about, yes, but no most of us don't earn the knowledge. You don't have to go rub your face on poison ivy to then tell your kids not to touch it. <laughs> that's that's in the books on what plants not to touch.
0: Yeah, we're all standing on the shoulders yes. of giants to to get to the next stage of scientific advancement.
1: And science is especially, that's why we use other publications in our publications. I don't redo all of their research when doing my research because
0: it's been done. So right. I use their data. So so, Malcolm's being a little bit uh, uh, soapboxy, hmm And it's the movie's message. The movie, it's saying, you know, the dangers of playing God. Yeah. It's very Crichton. It is. It's very classic to his format. Very, that sort of scientific power gone wrong. That's all, half of his books. It's, we had this great scientific idea. Look at this wonderful thing we built with the power of science. And then you... Didn't have enough respect that's, for that power. That's the and line it's out now. That's the line I and was about to reference. That happens in Jurassic Park. That happens in Sphere. That happen- I'm pretty sure it happens in the second Jurassic Park too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah it's it's a very consistent theme of his.
1: But that that that's the line I was gonna bring up was that the lack of respect for what science is capable of. Yes, uh, Doctor Sattler says that. Yeah, the, and and the the movie kind of harps on that where it's not so much that. You must respect, give science your respect. It you deserves it. It's older than you. Uh, it's not so much that concept, but that if you don't have respect for what you are capable of doing within scientific discoveries, that there's a danger there, which is a good, that's something that, once again, with the concept of de-extinction, of trying to bring back some, you know, a mammoth hybrid or something, is one of those where it's like, whether you're able to, is is not necessarily the first question we should be asking is yes but why should we and what do we do with a mammoth yes. hybrid are all questions that have to be answered many argue before we ever start trying to bring one back and that, that question's been asked throughout science for centuries and so it's yes. that that is really the core concept of the movie that holds true on you have to acknowledge what it is you're actually you know what what the consequences and results are of those things.
0: So let's shift from the science now to talk about a subject that is very dear to our hearts. Yeah. Uh, this is something we talk about a lot. Scientist portrayal in film. Not always great. No. Uh, but this movie, and we've mentioned a few of the the, the the odd things, but for the most part, I love the scientists in this movie. They are really, especially when it comes compared to other movies and how scientists are portrayed, very refreshing. Dr. Grant, is the is a paleontologist. Doctor Sattler is a paleobotanist. Those two especially. Malcolm's mm-hmm. a little bit of an oddball. It's I like the fact that that and you know it was in the book as well. But
1: I like the fact that they include a chaotician, you know, a mathematician based on chaos theory, in the story because that's a cool concept that ecosystems are so complex you can't predict them because there's yeah. so much going on. Like I like that he's there for that reason and that he explains that, but. Yeah, he has a little bit more of the... He's more there to be the um the denialist. Yeah, the devil's advocate.
0: Yes, But the other two... I love that Grant and Sattler, as we discussed a little bit before, are constantly exploring and learning mm-hmm. and investigating. Uh, Grant is trying to learn about the dinosaurs as he sees them. Yes. I think Dr. Sattler might be one of the best scientists in film. I'd agree. Ever. I'd agree. She is... She is curious. She's intelligent. She's capable. She's assertive. She's like they see the triceratops, and she sees an opportunity to apply her knowledge. Well, and she switches. She just goes into yeah, analyst science mode. mode. Yes, like I love that when she's walking away
1: from the 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 dropping the dino droppings droppings. The uh, uh, droppings. She's just <laughs> analyzing what she's found in her head. She's ruling things out, and she's completely on that line of analysis which is yes which was very cool to partially explain why me and David are so fascinated with these scientists that it may seem weird that we're geeking out over them but we when you compare them to the portrayal of scientists in many other movies which is a very common portrayal so it may not seem weird but is a very misleading portrayal is that many other scientists in films are just portrayed as the smart one yes they just know stuff. They know biology. They know history. They know mechanics. They know engineering. They know, uh, they can be an electrician if they need to, which, yes, it's speaking <laughs> as a person with a master's degree. Nuh-uh. No, that's no, no, that's, that is, I don't know
0: anything about like, I don't know nothing about no electricity. Nope. <laughs> I, I,
1: you, I could not code a computer. I can. Barely take care of my car if you asked me to. My, it's, <laughs> I, I know that the the show has mixed ratings with many, many people. But one of my favorite lines in Big Bang Theory is when their car breaks down. And uh, Leonard turns around to everyone and goes, Does any, do any of you know how a combustion engine works? And they all go, yeah, of course. That's simple engineering and chemistry. And he goes, all right, I'll ask again. Do any of you know how to fix a combustion engine?
0: They go, oh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite example of the counter to that, and you agree with this, and in fact, I may even be stealing the thing Will might have wanted to say, <gasps> Gasp. is in Tremors. Yes. There is a geologist's character in Tremors, and they ask her at one point <laughs> to tell them about the creatures. It's when
1: they're like on top of the buildings, and one of them looks at her and goes, what are they doing?
0: Yes. <laughs> go ahead. And she says, why do you keep asking me? <laughs> because it's so common in movies to see the scientist is just the smart character who knows all the things in jurassic park they're specialists sattler knows about plants she's reading the book about plants in the jeep Uh, grant knows about animals he i like that he knows about frogs because that's a real he says oh wait a minute there are frogs that can because comparative anatomy is a real thing that paleontologists explore
1: well it's like when when people ask you or I, like, how do you know these random facts about animals? And it's like, well, one, watch a lot of documentaries. Two, paleontology, like us getting our degree was basically three years, you know, two to three years of just studying a bunch of animals. Yes. Like, it's just, we, we had to learn about all the groups roughly. So it's like, I like that they portray them knowing what
0: they would know. I also like that they are... Field scientists, like we actually get to see two paleontological yes, dig sites we do. in this movie. Once again, They're twice as many in most movies. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, at least two more than most <laughs> most movies about paleontology. And not with the exception of the people in the labs in the actual park. None of them are in lab coats. Yeah, none of them are socially awkward. Well, Malcolm's socially awkward, but none of them are like. Dorky, nerdy, pushing my glasses yes. up. Yes. Classic. None of them are haughty, you know, holier than thou. Like the, They are all developed characters. Yes. Human beings that don't feel like caricatures of scientists, which is really nice. Yeah.
1: They're not cliches or tropes. I like when they go inside the trailer at the dig site. That looks like what a field office would look like. Yes. they're paleontologists where right? it's just like there's stuff everywhere <laughs> it's all dusty it's all dusty and stuff and there's a couple of knickknacks here and there that are obviously someone's thing that got that they brought in as a like a joke or something and then just got left there you know there's dinosaur toys yes just, oh absolutely it's I like that they feel like like they are pretty accurate for what it is you know would be like if you were to get to meet someone in the field it would not be too far off. Not to say that all scientists are like them, but right. I have
0: met we have met scientists like them. Yes. If I have one complaint, one trope that I that I spot in this film, it's that Dr. Grant is portrayed a bit as the sort of lone wolf scientist. Yes, he is. That there's this trope that we love. We we the humans yeah. love this notion of The one man who makes the discovery that changes the paradigm. Regardless what everyone else is saying. Everybody was against him. The one person who knew the truth. Yes. Grant does get a little bit of that treatment. Like he's the only person in the world who has spotted the similarities between birds and, and, and extinct theropod dinosaurs. Yeah, And like Sattler humors him. And she's like, "Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm here too." She doesn't really participate in that conversation. No, not really. But, uh, but he says it in the beginning, and everybody laughs yeah. at him, and he has to defend himself. And that's not really how science works. And in 1993, it certainly wasn't a representative of, of the paleontological community. Yeah, but this was this was solid science at that point.
1: And it's it's driven home because I always found that scene where the the field crew laugh at him. Uh, and the one random kid that's, that's there in the group. Yes. <laughs> but I always found that seem weird because on one hand, as a little kid, I was always like, isn't he in charge? Why are you all laughing at him? But then also, yeah, there's the, there's the aspect of, even if you guys are volunteers, you know, even if you're not grad students, but there's going to be a bunch of you that are grad students. Cause that's how dig sites work. Yeah, presumably like, It'd be very weird if there wasn't a grad student. I mean, or other researchers, yes, or someone exactly. else who's in the academic sort of side of it. There wasn't someone. But even if you are just volunteers, you chose to volunteer at a dig site. How is this the first time you're hearing about this? Con- like, why is he having to teach you this
0: concept at the dig site? Right, and it's part of that lone wolf. It is the fringe thing that we we love to do. And again, that's not how science works. We talked about that a little bit in episode nineteen, actually. Mm-hmm. The way that history likes to put people oftentimes men yep. in that position of the person who discovered yeah. you know that that darwin did came up with evolution and did the whole thing by himself yep. boom there was well, no evolution and then darwin said let there be natural selection yes exactly yep so that so it gets a little bit into that uh that trope uh scientifically and it's it's a trope that that
1: is throughout all of our society. There's a reason that everyone remembers Neil Armstrong's name, but not Buzz Aldrin's. Like we we like to have the gold medalist to remember and celebrate. Yeah, we don't. I don't want a list of people. <laughs> yes,
0: I have to memorize five names. I
1: I want the one with the cool name, and <laughs> that's that's it. You know, and I'll remember him and I'll put him on my lunchbox.
0: You know. And, and this gets, yeah, you you want to you, you slap it on a lunchbox <laughs> and you, you want to sell it. Yep. You want to sell it. This gets into the, the last sort of broad topic I want to hit on just a little bit, because we did discuss this in our, our Jurassic Park episode on the main series, the impact of the film. This film set in the minds of the public a new understanding of paleontology. Yes. And in fact, going into some of the things we've talked about, After this film, the notion of bird relationship to dinosaurs became much more mainstream in the public. It was already a popular idea in science. After this film, I'm every just about every movie, TV show, video game, toy series since this has given us Jurassic Park style dinosaurs, even the ones they got wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Dilophosaurus is so weird to me. It really, it's a weird, weird one. Because almost nothing memorable about the Dilophosaurus in Jurassic Park is not made up. Yep. The frill, the venom spitting, even its size. Yeah. That's, that's not what Dilophosaurus was like. But that small, frilled, venom spitting dinosaur has become, it's in video games, <laughs> I've seen it in card games. I've seen animatronics
1: of it outside of outside of universal outside of jurassic park
0: things i've seen it places a dinosaur in the public eye thanks to jurassic park i think jurassic park possibly also you know you you hear from a lot of people these days that still have this idea in their head that the connection between birds and dinosaurs is still tentative it's still like oh is it true that there's some sort of connection And it's hard not to view that as people being kind of stuck where Jurassic Park left us. That Jurassic Park said it was a argument, it was a debated thing. Yeah, they brought it up multiple times that there were people who actively disagreed with Grant, even though it wasn't a debated thing for quite a while, even when Jurassic Park came out. Mm -hmm. And the, the the cultural mindset is kind of still in that place where Jurassic Park left us. Yeah, it
1: is. I had, a, I had a quick aside on Dilophosaurus just because this is something I noticed on the, the most recent rewatching watching uh, that stands out even more for why it's so weird that people hold on to this idea of the frill and the spit. Because mm-hmm. in the movie, they describe it as that uses its spit to uh, stun its prey that will eventually cause paralysis and then it can eat them at peace. Yes, But everything about the Dilophosaurus design are actually defensive features that we see in animals today. Spitting venom is something we see in cobras, and that's a defense. That's a defense. They use the venom to kill their prey, but they don't spit on it. That's only if they're getting attacked. The frill is of a frilled lizard, obviously. It's the exact same frill, and that's, once again, a defense. It's a bluff, not not an attack. It's to make it look bigger and scary before it runs away, but even the noise it makes is a rattlesnake, which is, once again, a defensive warning. So it's like all these features would actually be really cool concepts for a defense, but they it also has that bit of that movie monster, that monstrification, and that it yes. got turned into the aggressive. And so it's it's not only has it perpetuated to be the thing people know that dinosaur
0: for, it doesn't even actually make sense. But no, it looks cool. <laughs> well, it's like the T Rex shaking the ground when it approaches. Yes, yeah. worst predator ever. Yep. <laughs> if if every if everyone can feel you coming. Yep. Yep. If you
1: wake your prey up from a nap because of walking up, the yes. Then you're not gonna have much of a chance. I think one of the weirdest impacts that Jurassic Park had, uh, and we've mentioned this before, but it it it's such a unique and weird one, and it's so pervasive, is the popularity of the term raptor nowadays.
0: Yeah, that used to mean something else. Yep.
1: Because that the. There are dinos there were dinosaurs that, you know, the Velociraptor was a dinosaur back then, and there were other raptors that had yeah, that... Oviraptor. Yeah, so that was not an unused term, but that group was not called the raptors. The- those were the Dromaeosaurs, that's their technical name, that's their nomenclature. So, the movie started using the term raptors, which means, as Grant says, bird of prey. That's related to... The raptors, the birds, hawks, owls, all of those. Yes,
0: and and and, and that's a bad argument on his part. Yeah, because raptor comes from you know it it it's the root meaning thief or plunderer. Yes, it is or or a, a, a conniving little critter. Hmm. Uh, but no. Eh, now that's what raptor means yep. now. As people, it went from meaning birds of prey to this particular group of dinosaurs, which is and it's it's so. Uh,
1: uh, it's a stubborn term now. Like, if you say raptor, that's what comes to mind. Yes, and that's weird because, especially if you are talking about
0: raptors, the birds, not yeah, or trying not to use raptor to describe dromaeosaurs. Yeah, yeah, and troodontids, kind of, and maybe oviraptorids, kind of. It's such a convenient word, mm-hmm. and I hate using it.
1: Yep, but it's it's <laughs> now now we have to explain what a dromaeosaur is not what a Raptor is. Yes. And that's it's it's a weird thing that this this movie coined. Not necessarily a negative thing, but it's weird.
0: It's just It's certainly impactful. Yes it is. So before we we finish off, before we sign off, we decided it would be fun because we're we're trying to, to discuss the broad subjects in, in this and the, the the coming episodes. We thought it would be fun if we gave each of ourselves just a minute or so to rant about something specific <laughs> little mini rants at the end of the episode will what would you like to mini rant about my mini rant uh actually does not have anything specifically to
1: do with science and how it was portrayed but how the facility was portrayed it has and this has been commented on by other things but watching it this last time what stuck out to me is what a bad zoo it is uh <laughs> it just there's so many, I mean, you could go on and on. The containment is weird, the way they feed the animal. Why would you feed them a live cow? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> There's no reason you couldn't just feed them slabs of beef. But then also, the, one of the things that really stuck out to me, because the whole core story of this is that experts are brought in because there was an accident to assess the facility. Like, they're being brought there to see whether this is a viable you know you you'll place and they bring in paleobotanist paleontologist and a chaotician but they didn't bring in a zookeeper or an animal behaviorist or a veterinarian (laughs) or i mean like like an animal trainer you know someone whose specific job is to work with animals in human care so that they can be be trained to like come in for medical checkup like none of that no we don't even see any not to say they didn't have someone on staff but we're never shown any zookeeper type people we've shown one person who seems to work with the animals directly and that's a big game hunter which <laughs>
0: yes is not quite yes. in line with the zookeeper
1: mentality
0: so that's weird <laughs> there's one vet there's the vet with the triceratops we have we see one vet but even
1: that that's vet it. is not shown to be a knowledgeable vet he gets shown up by ellie pretty quickly he doesn't even know the eyes are dilated and it's like (laughs) it seems like you would have wanted to check that maybe it's a it's a bad zoo and so it's it's a bad zoo and that's not the focus of the movie but it's a big deal and maybe if it were a better zoo the movie wouldn't have happened
0: (laughs) my mini rant regards the velociraptor and their intelligence yes I remember having conversations with my friends in college and I had a friend who one time said, well, the raptors, like them being intelligent, that's exaggerated, right? Like raptors couldn't open doors. And that, it always struck me that the doors thing was the movie's chosen signature of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Cause like cats and horses can open doors (laughs) to say nothing of primates and dolphins and birds. Yeah. Like (laughs) opening doors is not like the step after the wheel. Yes yes this is especially if you're an a fairly intelligent animal as the raptors are shown to be who has been watching humans open doors their whole life yeah and their handles it's not even like a doorknob no nope. handles are pretty that's easy that's that's
1: easy <laughs> mode for doors you you can access you can open those by leaning something on it
0: <laughs> yes it, it's interesting to me to note what they chose the signs of intelligence to be for the raptors because, and, and this comes up more so later in the franchise, that notion that they were hyper, into, like, be, uh, you know, rivaling humans for mm-hmm. their their hunting prowess. And, it's like, yeah, they're communicative, they're cooperative, they test the fences systematically for weakness. Well, yeah, they're just trying to find an exit. I've seen black mambas do that. Yeah. In, in, in reptile houses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's it's uh, that always strikes me as interesting that people are oh they can open doors that's terrifying like you're you shouldn't get a cat nope nope the first
1: time <laughs> I had my cat open my door when I was younger that was terrifying
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there's a bit of the science our science common descent science review of the movie Jurassic Park we hope you enjoyed it we hope that you will join us. Next weekend and every weekend for the rest of the month to hear us discuss the remaining films in the franchise. Yeah. Next up will be The Lost World: Jurassic Park, uh, which is a whole lot of fun. We got one down. Soon to be four more to go. Yes, three slash four to go. <laughs> Thanks again to the people who encouraged us to to talk about this kind of stuff. And this was a chat mostly about our scientific perspective on the film. If you are interested in our personal thoughts, we like to keep the science on the main podcast. We like to make sure everybody has access to the science-y stuff. But we will be putting up a patron-exclusive chat about our personal thoughts on the movie uh, because those are fun to have and we're going to be talking about it anyway because that's yeah. what happens when we bring up these movies. So if you are a patron, check it out. We're going to put that bonus audio up on the on the Patreon page. If you're not a patron here's another example of one of the little benefits you might get uh, if you decide to join us. Maybe just uh, take a look on over there. Take a look on or that novel you're working on. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. We will return a week from now to discuss Jurassic Park 2. See you then. I
1: feel like we should be able to end it with a bomb.
0: I was going to say after careful consideration. <laughs> I've decided. But it's the last line of the movie, but it doesn't really fit in Yeah, I've decided I to endorse. We've decided... <laughs> to do this again for the next
1: yes to give it at least three or four more tries